0: Welcome to the Irish Tech News Podcast, presented by the tech doctor, Ronan Leonard. Hi, welcome to this Irish Tech News Podcast. Today I'm talking with Davar Ardalan, who is a founder and storyteller and journalist and founder of, of iVow AI. And also, she's going to be a, a speaker this year's Comtrade, Trade. Digital Services Quest for Call to Conference. So, how are you doing? Da- how are you doing, Dava?
1: Wonderful. Great to see you. Great, thanks. You
0: here. Now, before we start, tell me a bit about your background. So, you know what kind of person you are, and where you- and how you got to where you are now.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, I was a journalist at NPR News. That's uh, Public Broadcasting here in the United States for many years, and I was responsible for helping also grow our audience beyond just the traditional radio. And that was some of the best work I think I did, where we had actual um, news programs on Twitter. And this was back, you know, 2008, 2009, when Twitter and Facebook were new. And the idea was how can we reach people across new platforms with compelling stories? Uh, So I've always kind of had my eye on... um, new emerging technologies and how to bring traditional storytelling to the table. Uh, I was also managing director of um, Hansen robotics. So I helped Sophia, the robot uh, kind of with her AI team. Yeah. And, um, and then, yeah, I started my startup uh, a couple years ago because as I looked at the AI landscape, uh, I saw many gaping holes around the lack of diverse data sets and um, the fact that personalization was becoming a big thing with um, conversational interfaces like Siri, Alexa, being able to pronounce your name, etc. So I wanted to create a startup that would really bring um, a lot of attention to the need for new data sets to make these um, AI experiences more culturally relevant.
0: Yeah, because for the moment I see when AI it's not where it's not where it 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 it, 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 where it should be at the moment. I think it's still kind of basic in a way. Unless you're using big data and analytic tools as a business for a home user, it isn't got where where it, you might see in you know, a Hollywood movie, for example.
1: Yeah, exactly. And people talk about it as it's the Wild West of data. Yeah. that's what's going on. A lot of people um, in the last fifteen years have had very good intentions, but in fact, they've created data sets that are biased and derogatory. And, uh, you know, that's the issue that we have right now, where people who started creating these uh, solutions years ago weren't thinking too much about whether the data that they were, uh, the data sets that were gathering were going to be, you know, inclusive. And so, yay, they made, you know, really cool products. But then now here we are talking about how facial recognition apps are racist. And, you know, many companies, IBM, Amazon, Microsoft have stopped using these facial recognition apps. So we have to uh, pause and really think about uh, not just beneficial AI, but explainable AI. We have to be able to explain what an AI is doing and, you know, what tools we need to bring to this field to make it a lot more relevant for people.
0: I guess like Isaac Isaac Asimov, his rules of robotics, similar kind of idea.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, basically we're talking about, you know, um, uh, going and, you know, uh, you walk into your kitchen and you wanna ask Alexa uh, to share a recipe from your grandmother, you know? I mean, we have to be able to um, have a lot more personal relations with these conversational interfaces in a way that are going to be inspiring because you are gonna live with these. You know, it's gonna be, (laughs) it's not just about telling you the weather or how much you have in your bank account. Um, These conversational interfaces are also gonna become more and more part of your daily lives. And it's really fascinating. There was a study done um, in here in the US that showed something like uh, some 40% of um, young consumers, are willing to take advice from a chatbot, so just think about that.
0: Yeah, because I had a problem <laughs> last week. I was buying product from from Apple, and I bought it, and uh, some of the order hadn't gone through, so I rang up Apple to create this. I was speaking to to an, an AI voice interface for about five minutes before it got through to a real person, and the AI was so perfect. Everything it asked me, like what product did you buy, where did you buy it, everything else. It was going through it, and. When it knew it couldn't help me any further, it went to the human. But to me, that is, is pretty impressive.
1: Yeah. And actually, you know, I'm in due diligence right now with a VC firm. And the first step was going through their AI. Yeah. So I actually had to talk to Wendell, uh, the AI, and give Wendell a lot of information before the VCs would, you know, decide if I'm going to the next level. So yeah. I think it's, it was cool and efficient way of doing it and it felt like it was a conversation so very interesting times for sure
0: because yeah, i've seen recently the rise of chatbots when you go to website and, and you can talk to somebody on the screen and that's basically an ai chatbot but now you're getting voice ai as well which is, which is even better and i think that in the future it probably I presume, for me i'm presuming that if somebody's doing a normal mundane job that that's boring then ai can take care of that and they can left doing what they're skilled at
1: Well, I mean, I think that's definitely the first iteration of it is going to be uh, the use of artificial intelligence to bring more efficiency and productivity. Uh, But there are examples of ways that um, people are jumping to replace, you know, um, humans with AIs when the AIs aren't ready yet. So a really great example is uh, Microsoft Microsoft, recently has let go of journalists for msn.com. And literally the AI made a mistake and identified um, a photograph, misidentified a photograph, and it happened to be a woman of color. And um, the idea that the humans who trained this AI were let go really shows that we're not ready yet to be able to have AI take over. It's kind of like, you know, um, in the early days of, uh, human civilization, we all sat around a fire and um, set, shared stories with each other. It's almost like we need to make space for the AI because yeah. the AI has to understand who we are. It has to understand where we're coming from and we have to train it, but we have to be at that fireside chat with the AI.
0: Yeah, I'm thinking one day we'll be like Star Trek where the computer is all voice controlled and you can tell it what to look for and it'll come back and talk to you as well.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, definitely that's where we're heading. Uh, But I think it's really important not to go too fast because, um, again, uh, we've spent many years uh, tagging cats and dogs to make sure that, you know, we can identify those right. But now we need to spend even more time getting the humanity right, you know. Uh, So we all come from different backgrounds and we can't be tagged all as women. I mean, I am a woman, but I also have many other characteristics and cultural, my cultural heritage. You know, what I bring um, and how a brand is going to interact with me is very important. There's a lot of research done on the future of personalization and the fact that uh, consumers, if they feel that the product they're going to get is going to be more personalized, are willing to give up more personal information, right? So um, brands have to become a lot smarter to allow consumers to opt in, yeah. opt in, to share information about themselves uh, so that these connections can be a lot more um, efficient and uh, really interesting also for the consumer.
0: Yeah, because for me, I remember about 20 years ago, Bill Gates was saying that by, by now, our computers will be all voice controlled. Obviously, that hasn't come about yet, but I think it, that will happen slowly over time. That will evolve. But as you said, we've got to make sure that, that the AI is culturally, culturally acceptable. So, if for example, if you're in certain countries, can't understand your accents? Does it know that in certain countries, certain things kind can, of can't be done or can't be said?
1: Yeah, exactly. But it's also, is, is also very basic at a very basic level. So um, just uh, in late June... Um, MIT announced that its 80 million tiny image data set would be taken down. I don't know if you saw that news. No. So end. so MIT took down their 80 million tiny image data set that has been around since 2008 because uh, two PhD researchers, one is a chief data scientist in San Francisco and one is a PhD student, guess where? At the University of College Dublin. Her yeah. name is Abiba Burhan. And she was one of the scholars who um, looked into this data set and found that it they had, um, over time, tagged derogatory terms for women and uh, derogatory racial uh, terms. And this was something that has been used for many, many years, right, by MIT, this data set. Yeah. So we really need to remember that the... Um, Wild, wild west of data can't keep going if uh, we're going to make responsible products. So I could also give you some examples of, you know, the work that we're doing because it's all very early stage, but yeah. it's really important in helping shape this
0: future. I guess you can tell me a bit about what, what you actually do with uh, Ivo AI as well.
1: Yeah, so um, essentially the I'll talk very specifically about a couple projects that we're doing. Um, So one is a um, indigenous knowledge graph that we presented to the United Nations, the AI for Good Summit. And very briefly, um, I brought together uh, several Native American technologists like uh, Tracy Montes. He's senior software engineer at Microsoft, but he's also an Eastern Band Cherokee. And then uh, Victor Yarlett is from the Native American tribe in Montana, the Crow Mm -hmm. tribe, but he's an AI PhD uh, student at University of Florida um, International University of Florida. The point here was how can we teach um, machines to learn about our cultural heritage by feeding stories about our recipes? And it was really fascinating because when you have to bring a reason with a machine in the context of artificial intelligence, Uh, there has to be an ontology where you're um, framing how you're going to be teaching this AI information. And so through our stories, these are little nuggets of stories, you are able to um, teach an AI uh, to be able to understand the relations between, for example, an ingredient, the Cherokee story behind it, and how that can um, make a more sustainable future. Yeah. it seems abstract, but it, you, we're trying to really do some uh, uh, experiments around ways to preserve cultural heritage by feeding it our stories to AI. Um, another thing that we're doing is um, we're working with TopCoder, and Microsoft was one of our sponsors, and we have done a data ideation challenge on how to find uh, stories on women throughout history. And the reason why this is important is because the 80 million tiny images data set that I mentioned at MIT, it mm-hmm. had tagged women as whores. And um, in, in some cases, uh, women's private parts were uh, tagged. Okay. Yeah. This is outrageous. I'm sorry. Yeah, We need to put women on the AI map in a completely different way. Right. Mm-hmm. And so we're sourcing ways to um, un, you know, find hidden stories about women and make them machine readable so that AI understands the history of women, who their contributions throughout the world, and this is only going to make more future products and solutions a lot more interesting and relevant. So yeah. these are just tiny examples of, you know, the work we're doing, but we have amazing people behind it. So as I mentioned, Microsoft is a sponsor, Comtrade Digital Services is a sponsor, and I'll be speaking about that when I come to Dublin. Uh, I, I'm not coming, actually. Sorry, it's a virtual yeah. event.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's virtual. Now, <laughs> but but that's yeah.
1: Gonna be one of the things I'm, I'm going to be talking about is uh, the importance of cultural intelligence uh, in the context of brands, understanding uh, global cultures and being able to create products that are going to speak to people from different backgrounds. And uh, they'll use it more and brands will make more money if they create products that are more relevant.
0: That sounds like an interesting topic.
1: Yeah. And also uh, one thing that I've talked about for several years, because I've actually been to quest for quality twice um, is the importance of the quality assurance and testing units uh, experts in this future. Yeah. So the idea that uh, we have to make sure QA teams are um, at the front lines of this technology because they're the ones that are going to make it user friendly and and the point is that it shouldn't just be from the vantage point of tech it also has to be from the vantage point of culture you know so this means actually that's a huge responsibility for testers a lot of people i've heard in the industry talking about oh testing is going to get automated that's absurd a certain level of course testing can be automated but if talking about making alexa and siri something that is going to be uh interesting for consumers around the world and you don't have testers <laughs> that are going to be able to test to make sure that these are culturally relevant then that's absurd you're not going to break into those emerging markets
0: yeah so uh right now how do you? Uh do AI driven culture content?
1: So, uh, as I mentioned, we're an early stage startup, but uh, the idea is ingesting uh, public information around food, festivals, music, holidays, and essentially we're creating a culture graph. This culture graph is, um, as I mentioned, ingesting real time information around festival, food, music, and arts. And then on the back end for our AI to be modeling and understanding that in this particular segment in, you know, zip code, uh, this particular food is attached to this particular festival, which is attached to this particular culture. This way, you are actually bringing a new lens, a new psychographic metric to uh, marketing so that, again, uh, there's a way to map Culture in real time.
0: Yeah. Because at that time, you, you can get culture, and it can be people like, for example, if you're Mexican, they might assume it's just tacos and nothing much else. or And a certain things that they, they don't really understand what the culture is, and they're going by the stereotypes that we've seen in the media in the past.
1: Yeah, but yeah, exactly. But you're also uh, bringing a much more sophisticated approach to cultural identity. Yeah. And and it's tied to what's happening in real time now. Now because of COVID, we're a little bit um, you know at a disadvantage, of course, because people aren't out having festivals. But that's not the point. The point is that there's still national holidays. There's still rituals that people you know participate in, and those are all um, you know. Believe it or not, the, the, those APIs are already out there. Yeah. The idea is that it hasn't been gathered and um, uh, brought together in this uh, organized fashion and being able to apply AI to it for it to understand these cultures and subcultures. Uh, It's a daunting task. Uh, I'm not here to tell you that, you know, uh, an investor is going to, you know, give me millions of dollars right now because it's very early. But I think as you can see by the civil unrest in the United States, for example, That there's a really important opportunity for us to pause and create these AI systems in a more explainable way, in a more transparent way, and in a more respectable way. You know, and that's my goal. So this might take me five to ten years, but fortunately, uh, we're you know we feel strong that we're paving the road for that.
0: And also, I guess it helps society understand different cultures a little easier.
1: Yeah, exactly. And so, you know, I mentioned the indigenous knowledge graph that we demoed at the United Nations. So that was six different cultures represented in their stories from, you know, recipes from around the world. And um, this is just a tiny way to show that uh, there's ways that we can come around and understand um, how to preserve our culture uh, through these new tools. So these new tools, which is AI doesn't have to only be for negative things, which we read about, you know, historically in science fiction or even, um, you know, in the context of uh, terrible ways that AI is being used to create fake pictures and images. I mean, uh, as much as um, those hackers and people who are using AI for ill purposes are really busy, we have to be working even harder. Those of us, Who are, um, uh, you know, uh, want to make a dent and improve this space. And one thing I'll tell you, and you know this obviously from covering tech, uh, that if you don't bring an interdisciplinary approach to this future of AI, we're going to constantly be playing catch up. So you have to bring, you know, people from different backgrounds together to create these products. And what I mean is, as, as much as you need a machine learning expert and a natural language processing expert and a human-centered data mining expert, you also need people from the social sciences, people who understand history, people who understand linguistics, sociology, anthropology, people who understand, um, you know, the cultural heritage uh, of humanity. So when you're creating a holistic AI solution, you can't only have statisticians, mathematicians, programmers, and machine learning experts in the room.
0: Yeah, because I'm thinking, for example, in America, you've got all the different Indian tribes, and an average person, I might assume they're all the like, same, they've all got the different traditions and uh, different beliefs. So you can't suddenly say all Indians do this, all Indians do that. You don't know what to do because a Kree and a Sioux are going to do, do things differently. Yeah, it, and... As, as, yeah. Sorry, go Yeah, ahead exactly.
1: Then. Exactly. So, um, Tracy Monteith, who's one of our collaborators, he's from the Eastern Band Cherokee, I mentioned. Yeah. Well, guess what he did? Okay. He's kind of legend. He spent 20 years putting the Cherokee language into Microsoft Word. It is the only Native American language that exists in Word, right? Yeah. Victor, who is from the Crow Tribe of Montana, what did he do? For his MIT thesis, He said that he wanted to uh, prove that the MIT Genesis story understanding system can understand a language other than um, Shakespeare and, you know, Alice in Wonderland. So he said to his professor, may I feed a hundred pieces of um, literature from the Crow tribe into this MIT Genesis story understanding system to see if this. A machine can understand a culture other than uh, Western European. And Mm -hmm. indeed, he proved that Old Man Coyote, which is, you know, the uh, Crow Native American um, mythology, was being, it was able to understand it, this MIT system. Uh, We just have to allow for people from different backgrounds to have a bigger uh, platform to be able to show what's possible so that these future systems are a lot more um yeah culturally conscious to be honest
0: yeah because if it's all biased towards one person's view or one thinking it's not for all humanity because you don't then they don't get to understand other cultures you're you're telling them assimilate with us like the borg and star trek assimilate with us become one of us rather than let them have the option option of I've always been able to reflect on the heritage. Yeah.
1: And in the context of, you know, um, marketing, branding, media, the largest gap in designing this new frontier of media and communications is the lack of social sciences in the deep learning for us to understand our present and our traditions, our past and present and traditions. So um, we've obviously gathered enormous amounts of data uh, to leverage AI for uh, self driving cars, for cybersecurity, for healthcare applications. But we now have to uh, pause and focus on creating better data ecologies. That's how I like to use this term. We need better data ecologies to account for culture and history before unleashing more biased uh, automated AIs uh, to the
0: world. And you said earlier, people like anthropologists, people who aren't I really need tech fuel. Get them involved because they can actually tell you the history of things and how we should be.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's just like when any new thing happens. Uh, instead of immediately being capitalistic about it and thinking how you're going to make money from it, like I'm just saying. Let me use the the whole history of when you know we found oil. Okay, yeah. we never really cared about the environmental consequences or communities that would be affected. And, you know, we just cared about making money because we were going to drill oil, right? And so now, so many years later, we're dealing with the consequences of environmental degradation and, you know, social injustices and all of these things because we moved so fast just to make money. Um, The the difference, by the way, is that the same people that are moving really fast in this AI world um, and creating these products... Um, that are going to be irrelevant to emerging markets, they're the same that um, are actually going to lose money. Yeah. They're going to lose money. And so right now, um, with someone like MIT having to take down this data set, I hope you understand the magnitude of how huge that is, right? Yeah. Because now we have to step up to the plate and create new data sets that are explainable, that are much more inclusive.
0: Because when you mentioned earlier about oil, I'm thinking back, when when we first found oil, technology wasn't what it is now. So nowadays, if you want to replace oil, we can do that. And I think with AI, it's going to happen in time that when we find uh, corrupt data sets, technology we have now is going to make it a lot easier to replace it.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. So we're not going to find an issue where, oh, we have to spend another 20 years developing this. Right now, technology is there. So we can do it a like lot and also the computer power that we need is, more cheap, is cheaper than it was years ago when we first started doing this.
1: Yeah, but we have to have the will and we have to be generous and bring people from different backgrounds that we might not uh, know very well or be in our inner circle. We have to open up this inner circle. We have to be a lot more generous and invite we the people, the global people, Uh, to be able to create these data ecosystems that are going to be robust. And so as we create more AI solutions to be efficient and productive and replace humans, uh, we just have to make the AIs be a lot more smarter um, and humans are going to have to be right there side by side. I don't believe that we're anywhere near obviously, uh, you know, generalized AI. Um, This is, to me, at least, you know, 50 years away, minimum, uh, because we're not doing it right, right now. Yeah. It's the wild, wild west of AI, and yep. we need to stop.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, and I guess, as you're saying, AI will part of our lives over time. How do you prepare for this?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, I think that um, there are a lot of initiatives uh, around reskilling and the future of work and how, you know, Um, this particular future can be understood. And my recommendation uh, has always been that this future has to um, come together with um, different groups coming together. So for example, you need education and training units in companies. And so these are the next generation of, um, you know, technologists that are trained on the promise of artificial intelligence and machine learning they have to be educated to understand you know how data can improve the work that they're doing but they can't do it alone you have to bring teams together to educate your own uh not just educate but hear from people in these different positions on how um you know data can improve the work that they're doing yeah. or ai can improve the work that they're doing
0: Talking to you earlier about uh, about uh AI being part of our lives, how do you make sure that it, what are we, what are the positives about AI that we can look back on and think it's great?
1: Um, Yeah, I mean, I think um, it'll be amazing, for example, to um, apply uh, AI to um, in the context of media to archives. So for example, the BBC has a treasure trove of archival stories. So imagine if Um, there could be an algorithm that could gather these stories, classify them, and then have people on demand play them in their homes. So it could be that they're going to be traveling to Hawaii and there's BBC story on Hawaii and they immediately can access it. Um, it's all the ways that you, uh, these are, these are, you know, ideas for media, but, um, also in terms of comfort, um, Around travel, or uh, you know, the hospitality industry, being able to do, uh, being able to have conversations with virtual um, assistants who can tell you more about, you know, when to visit a certain country because they they'll ask you. It's not just about the weather. It's like, what are you interested in? Like, mm-hmm. did you know that you know, if you came to Hawaii, for example, I don't know the state, but on September fifteenth. Uh, that's like the annual um you know hula festival so uh yeah yeah there's a lot of ways that we can make ai more integrated in our lives uh but really for meaningful purposes um, you obviously know i mentioned self-driving cars i mentioned obviously cybersecurity healthcare um There's a lot of uh, emphasis now on precision nutrition. Mm -hmm. So in the United States, the National Institute of Health is spending a lot of time, uh, 10 years, 2020 to 2030, on understanding precision nutrition. What this means is that every individual uh, has a certain makeup, a genetic makeup, and that means that certain foods uh, will be more healthy for their body type or, you know, uh, depending on their heritage. And I think these kinds of ways AI is going to come into play are really hopefully going to give us healthier, uh, better, more, um, um, yeah, better lives. Um, Obviously if we're healthy and uh, we can go, we can go on more meaningful vacations that uh, we've researched. Um, But for me, because I come from a media background I'm very much interested in making sure that uh, global cultures are um, represented in these future AI.
0: And for me, I'm worried about that we don't get AI. that ends up like HAL or Skynet.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, definitely we don't want to uh, somehow train AIs to become so powerful that on their own they can figure out how to uh, come back and bite us. Um, I mean, (laughs) yeah that's probably like the least that could go wrong um but at at the same time um we need to as societies demand to understand what these companies are building like they need to be able to explain how this particular robot is going to interact with me and how i can turn it off yeah okay You can't have AIs come into your lives where you don't know how to control them. So uh, that's the way is to be able to have, um, obviously, uh, you know, uh, health and safety rules just around uh, creating these kinds of robots that are going to be ubiquitous in our lives probably 20, 30 years from now.
0: Yeah, because I can imagine if you in 20 years time have 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 an AI robot, there's now also a child's nanny how do you make sure that the child has not been spied upon and it's been, it's been looked after properly?
1: Yeah, exactly. So you currently have like Alexa, you can have uh, bedtime stories with Alexa. And so you just want to make sure that nobody has access to that Alexa to be able to tell kids stories that they shouldn't be hearing. Uh, I mean, you already hear about how um, don't plug in your Google home or Alexa because they're always listening to you. Well, you have to also think about um, holistically how you're going to invite an AI to your home. Is it going to be safe, not just for your privacy, but uh, for educating your children, um, for taking care of your finances, you know, to help you uh, learn about the world uh, that you wanted to, to have um, those um, mechanisms that would allow you to control it so that you know what you're bringing into your home.
0: Yeah. And you want to, Basically, we share about stories. One able to be able to tell your children stories by Dr. Zeus, number Jackie Collins. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, exactly. You want to be able to make sure you're controlling the content <laughs> yeah. that your AI is going to be sharing, absolutely. Because right, <laughs>
0: right now, when you have a TV set up, you can, you can the key in path and control the TV, uh, what children can and can watch. And same way, you've got to make sure that it's relevant to them. And if, if they're a certain age, certain things are not allowed to listen to or, or, or hear or watch, whatever.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I, um, uh, a couple years ago, I went to visit my granddaughter. She's six, she was five at the time. And she said, um, Aziz, come and meet my friend Alexa. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, that's the future. So I'm looking to uh, really help the future of AIs that my granddaughter is going to be engaging with, Uh, whether that's uh, the self-driving car eventually and how the car that she sits in can be personalized for her to be able to uh, play the music that she likes and uh, to be able to, you know, even have the languages that she's interested in. These are all important ways that we're going to be communicating with AIs and they're going to be part of our lives. So it's going to take all of us to, um, help make this a um, a meaningful experience, right?
0: Yeah. And before we finish off, is there anything you guys want to add to the podcast or you think you've said enough?
1: Um, no, I think everything's great. I'm really looking forward to the Quest for Quality um, summit. And I met some really remarkable people who are in my network right now uh, when I was at Quest for Quality in Dublin two years ago. And I love the... Uh, partnership that we've have with Contract Digital Services. I think they're doing a remarkable job. Yeah. And um, I'm excited to be uh yeah, part of the network.
0: That's great. Thanks that have a great day, Davar, and, and good luck at the speaking in the conference.
1: Thank you so much, Ronan. Thank, Take thanks. care.
0: Take care. Okay, bye. Bye. Bye.
1: bye.